Oh, hi there. This is Al Dukes, and you're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. He's the best. Oh, hey there. I'm with Al Dukes. <laughs> oh, hi. Al, thank you for coming on. What are we doing here? Podcast? We're going to podcast. All right. And speaking of podcasting, I made my little one sheet about you. Your podcast stopped last September. Yes. So I make a little note of it, like, hey, why'd you stop doing it? My Al's Boring Podcast. And then yesterday, boom, a new podcast. What happened? Well, uh, what happened was uh, I was doing... I originally started my podcast where I was interviewing people. Then I either ran out of people I was interested in or people I was interested in weren't responding to me, <laughs> like your friend Opie. Uh, so then I started doing one with my friend Paul. Uh, and then my terrible hours and Paul's different normal human working hours, it was just not working out where we could set a time that was convenient to do it. And we had done a lot of them and... Uh, so we just was like, all right, that's enough. We'll just do these and leave it. And then I've been very annoyed at the business of sports radio or, or wondering like where is sports radio going. Mm -hmm. So I was really annoying everybody around here about it. And I thought, well, let me <laughs> talk to this. Uh, Jason Barrett was a guy who is a sports radio consultant. So I thought, let me interview him about all these questions I have and I'll throw it up on the Al's boring. Okay. So maybe it's coming back. I don't know. I don't want any pressure to have to do one every week. Were you under pressure? Oh my! Oh yes, I was under pressure. But your show started off with like you'd have on Evan Roberts, yeah. John Sterling, Kevin Conley. You had like a lot array of different big time name people. Yeah, and you being like a radio nerd, yes. you had like Scott Shannon on. You had like some big right, heavy but names I ran on. out. So yeah. I, I wanted Opie. <laughs> yeah, <and> didn't respond. <laughs> uh, Anthony, I probably I think would respond. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ron didn't respond. Fez didn't respond. Really? That's disappointing to hear. Yeah. Jim Norton didn't respond. So I was running out of radio guys that I was interested in. Let me go back now because me podcasting from WFAN, kind of like a dream growing up, nice. obviously, doing it from W. even though I'd really rather be in Big Mike's studio. Right. I Thank you for letting me wear in Boomer and Geo studio. We're kind of far away for a podcast. Is this how you usually do it, though? Yeah. This I have a problem with proximity with the other human beings, so I like to be very <laughs> far away. I know I do see videos of these other podcasts. They look like they're good. they could touch each other. <laughs> just reaching across. It's very uncomfortable. It's weird meeting you. You've been like the background, background voice of my life for 20 years now because you started at NEW. 18 years ago. Yeah, so you were Ron and Fed's producer, Opie and Anthony, Boomer and Carton, now Boomer and Geo. For 20 years, you were the background, background voice of my life. So it's kind of a yeah. pleasure to meet you. And I uh, uh, worked with Booker at K-Rock. Oh, did you really? Yeah, for not even quite a year during Howard's last, his last run at K-Rock. How'd you get into, I think I read an article, and maybe heard one of your podcasts that you were in Florida. How'd you get up to New York and get to WNEW? Because that's where I started hearing you first. So I grew up in Jersey. Okay. Uh, I ended up going to graduate school in Indiana. And from there, I'd met a girl there who lived in Tampa. And when we were graduating, I thought, I have no real skills to get a radio job in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll move to Tampa. I could probably get a job down there, which I did. Uh, I, I worked in sports talk down there for uh, seven years. And I wanted to come back home. And at that time, I had uh, seen that WNEW on their website, back in websites in 2001, yeah. were like brutal, <laughs> that they had a, a, an opening. And I knew a guy at the Tampa station who knew the guy who ran uh, WNEW. Ken Stevens? No, it was, it was the guy under him, Jeremy Coleman. Okay, okay. So I got, an, I got an interview up there, and when I went up there, Ron and Fez thought it was interesting that I worked in Tampa because that's where they were huge when they first started. 
So I guess I just hit it off with them. I got that job. I went back to Florida, packed my stuff, and came up. Just like that on a whim. Just like that. So you had no connections to Ron and Fez down in Florida? No. I mean, I board up their show a couple times like when they were when they had moved to Miami, mm-hmm. and we were a Tampa affiliate. But this was after Ron Diaz, the first Ron, left. So it was like kind of they were in a weird spot. So it wasn't really the 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 Ron and Ron show, which it was earlier. So I didn't get like the that I didn't really listen to Ron and Ron mm-hmm. when they were in their prime. But I was aware of them. You were a big Howard Stern fan. That's your Huge, guy, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah. he influenced a lot of stuff. For Everything, you, right? yeah. So now you come up here, Ron and Fez, yes. producing the show. It was a weird show. It's a different show. Whenever I would describe it, because I loved the 1027, like, I know it wasn't Hot Talk. What was it to- called back then? I think they would call that Hot Talk, okay. Guy Talk, FM Talk. It was all those same things. So I enjoyed Sports Guys. I wasn't the biggest Radio Chick fan, right. Opie and Anthony. I wasn't a Dynamite guy, I think, because I was loyal to Opie and Anthony. Right. Ron and Fez show, it was so different, wasn't it? It was like a yes. different, there was no guests. Right. So producing the show, was that difficult for you with no guests? No, because I I, I was someone who always preached no guests. Like, I, I don't like guests. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I don't think they add anything to shows. You mm-hmm. know, I when I, the thing I always, the thing growing up being a Howard Stern fan that I didn't like was when he would have a legitimate guest on. Same with even Opie and Anthony. When they, when they started getting syndicated, mm-hmm. they slowly started like Kid Rock's coming on, Pam Anderson. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, I just want the hosts. Uh, the the thing that really threw me off when I got to Ron and Fez was that for the first time, I realized that you could embellish on the radio and that everything you heard coming out of the radio wasn't real. So it tore down that wall for you. It didn't. I was like, holy cow, all these years I've been listening to Howard Stern. What's real? What isn't oh. real? It really, I never knew that that was a possibility because that's how intimate mm-hmm. radio is. You know, when you watch something on TV, you know, these are actors. I would never guess that for radio until I got to Ron and Fez. It's funny you mentioned intimate because I have Jackie Martling on. And I said, I was a Stern fan, not a huge fan. I was a fan though. And I said, it's not normal that you know radio hosts' wives' names. And because it's such an, you listen to four hours. Yeah. <clears throat> like I just mentioned Francesa. I know he's married to Roe. I know that his kids' names. It's weird the intimacy yes. of, of radio. And isn't it's every it? day. Uh, you're, you mostly listen by yourself. Same with podcasts now. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not listening with your buddies to podcasts. You, you're listening on your headset or in your car when you're alone. So you get a different experience. But now, even like with social media and video, now we even know what everybody looks like. When Howard Stern was first putting out like VHS tapes, like U.S. Open Source and Bongo Fiesta, I was watching it to be like, what does the studio look like? Yeah, what, what, that's all I can. Right. What does Gary look like? Because he had no idea. And remember the old videos of Gary, his teeth, like yeah. he would exaggerate. I'm like, oh right. my God, they're giant really... teeth, yeah. big mustache, <laughs> bushy hair. He was a disaster. So uh, let's, because I, I always go on tangents with radio because yeah. I'm like a radio nerd also. Good, me too. You're not a sports radio nerd though. No. You're not even a sports guy. No. And yet you worked in sports radio in Florida right. and up here. Yes. So we're going to fill in the gap now. You're at WNEW, Ron and Fez. Right. Producer, more part of the show. You were a character on the show. Right. Which they did. I think better than any radio duo, making every little person an intern a part of the show, right? And a reoccurring part of the show. Yes. So you did that. Why'd you leave though? You were only there for like a year or two as producing. Yeah, I was only there a year and a half. Honestly, it, I felt a lot of pressure on that show, and I think they felt a lot of pressure being on in New York City and being the show that followed Opie and Anthony. You know, 
I remember uh, a lot of their show was, if you looked at it simply, you would say, oh, what they did today, they talked about their favorite candy bars, right? Mm -hmm. But it really wasn't that. It was a lot of like stuff about when you were a kid and memories and things like that. But when Opie and Anthony, the one day they did the uh, the 55-gallon drum challenge, yeah. <laughs> when they had girls in 55-gallon drums, they were shooting them with pig's blood. It was a disaster. And I, I remember Ron <laughs> coming in that day, and he goes, we were all sitting around the back in the back office waiting to go on. He goes, and I was you know, throwing ideas out, topics, me, Fez. And he goes, they've got girls in a 55-gallon drum. We're going to be fucking talking about candy bars. Like He was like... <laughs> Pissed, like, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> this is great. What Opie and Anthony are doing, that's great. What are we doing here? I know I'm going to follow that with what's your favorite Charleston Chew flavor? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> so there was a lot of pressure to me. And also, they, as much as we were characters on the air, that the guy on the air wasn't 100% me, they treated you like that around the clock so that you would never break character. Wow. Yeah, so it was tough. And and even though I was in my mid-30s, I was probably way immature. Like, I didn't mm -hmm. even know fake radio was a... Not fake radio, the, you know, embellished... You were uh, naive, maybe, I was to naive business. to it. So it was a lot of pressure because they had such a high standard that I didn't know I could keep up because they just kept ramping it up, ramping it up. And that was the heyday to me of Opie and Anthony. They kept ramping it up. And, it, and there was really no management in charge there. It was like the Wild Wild West. It was West. the Wild West. Yeah. So... There was just a lot of... I remember on Fridays <laughs> being done and be like, holy cow, so happy the weekend here. And then Sunday by noon, you'd be like, oh, damn, what are we doing? Opie says he was stressed out when during NEW because the show was over at 7 p.m. At 7.10, he's on the train like, I have to re... I have to rejuvenate myself and go right. crazy again tomorrow. Right. Did you feel that way of like... You're always as good as your last at bat, basically. I keep getting better. Yeah. Yes. But it, and it wasn't even my show. I was just a producer. Mm -hmm. But I knew that that pressure was felt by the host, you know. So it just, yeah, it was, it, it, it just kept, there was no end to it. And I'd be looking <laughs> around going like, you know, these other shows that I like are one hour TV shows, half hour. This show's on one, one hour a week. Like Saturday, <laughs> I always used to, Ron used to like this because when I would get drunk, I would compare everything to Saturday Night Live. Okay. I'd be like, they have 20 writers. They're there once a week <laughs> and then they take three weeks off and and here's Ron and Fez, me, Billy Staples, you know, <laughs> and f that's it. <laughs> and you're expected to do four hours a day and then come back tomorrow and do four hours and the next day, four hours. We mentioned Naive uh, being like tearing down the fourth wall. Yeah. Like when I have wrestlers on my show and they tell me, I'm like, no, no, don't tell me. Right. You still want to believe yeah, don't that. Ruin it. Yeah, don't ruin it. I, don't tell me Jake the snake was on. Don't tell me that the earthquake really crushed your snake. Cause he did in right. my life. He crushed the snake. <laughs> he was forever bad guy. What like wall did they tear down for you with fake radio? No, I don't want to know like bits they did no, just in just general. That, just that you could, just that you could own things on the air that weren't true about yourself because it made, a great radio, mm -hmm. right? So one of the very early things when I had first started there, I was going to go to my cousin's wedding. Um, and I remember weddings being a big thing back then. I know this bit. You're going, yeah. this is amazing. So Ron's like, yeah, oh, you know, you know, what can we do with this? You know, you're going to your cousin's wedding. What can we do with this? And I said, <laughs> I know like people are, are really hardcore as to what is a good wedding gift, you know, especially in New Jersey, it's expensive. I said, I could say I'm going to give $35. 
Ron's like, that's perfect. Because then I was like defending $35. It was a Friday night. I was going by myself. I wasn't going to drink that much. Like, And people were just, because if you were ever experienced putting a wedding together or your own wedding, you knew what it cost. <laughs> and people were furious. People are calling up and you're like, guys, guys, stop. I have to get a haircut. Right. I have to. I'm commuting my, there. Yeah. I got to get there. And you're like, if I stayed home, it would only cost me $8 to right. cook dinner. And people are like, and you're like, I'm giving an extra $27. Yeah. I'm paying to have fun. Oh, I remember that yeah. episode. People were furious. People were going crazy. And then I had a, the reality of later, it was a Friday night wedding. <laughs> later that night, going to the wedding with people looking at me going, this cheap mother. Because <laughs> run events were, they were popular then. So people probably listened. popular and it, very convincing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, after you leave producing, you did go to opening. You were the dump guy. Yeah. Demotion or no? Well, the, in my head, I didn't put it as a demotion okay. because. And, the, and, and please don't think I'm knocking oh, no, you no, no, because. No. I totally understand. The, the guy who was doing it was second in charge at the radio station. Who was doing it? Uh, Craig Schwab, who okay. now runs WABC. Oh, okay. So he was the assistant program director with Jeremy Coleman at WNEW. Okay. But part of his duties were to run the dump button for ONA. So he had been always wanting to get out of that because he had other other things to do at work, and he had you know four hours a day where he was locked in that room from three to seven too. It wasn't the best time. Yeah, and I loved Obi and Anthony, so I thought, wow, what a great job! You're going to pay me to listen to Obi and Anthony. Now you were the unpopular guy because they were crazy back then. It was definitely different when they went to K Rock. Mm-hmm. I had a ver- much different um, relationship with them, much better. Um, so I just thought. If the company looked at that as a management role, even in a very small way, perhaps I could work my way up doing that. Okay. And now I know, like you said, embellishment <clears throat> in radio, they always had you would down. Were you really down the hall in yeah. your own room with yes. a real dump button? Yeah, yeah. And how's it roll? Like you see the. No, you don't see everything's just visually. So, I mean, uh, just in your ears. Mm-hmm. So you would have uh, different little speakers or you could adjust it in your headset. So you'd hear something and. And each speaker had its own volume button, and it would be like five, they'd be five seconds apart. So if you were like, "What did he say?" You could catch it oh, on the next okay. one, and, and you had buttons for each one. So you really had probably a total of fifteen seconds to make a, a decision to to in your head go, "Okay, what's the context of this?" What because they were really great at it wasn't just going somebody saying shit and no, going, "Okay, not. no, I hit that." It's it was the like you know when they had have Louis C.K. in there or Tracy Morgan or. Uh, Jay Moore, they they were all so good at, and Anthony was, they were so good at towing that line. They had to go, huh? Does somebody like they used to say balloon knot for yes, the butthole? Yes, yes, yes. Like, <laughs> would my grandmother listening to this know what balloon knot is? No, they were geniuses at that. Yeah, so that was what you had to think about for those fifteen seconds. Like, hmm, what do we? Uh, I don't like that. And then you knew some douche was going to call them and go, like, I and down the hall just hit the button. You're yeah, like, oh. I- and remember, that was when the websites were getting kind of big. Like, yeah, they uh, had instant feedback. Yeah, so they'd be like, they dumped out. Right. And then even if they didn't dump out, right. it was like, Al, why are you dumping out? And then like, three guys would come running down the hallway. They're producers. What are you doing? Why'd you dump it? They want to know. With the mic in front of you. And you're yeah. like, I didn't dump it. While the show's going on when they could be doing something else. <laughs> were you on the mic, uh, on the dump button, the infamous St. Patrick's Day? I was. Did they give you uh, any shit for that? Um, like Opie and Anthony themselves, because you know they blame. Not no, that they blame. But this was the crazy thing about okay. that whole situation. So I had been training for that job. Okay, I had been training. You to, were a temp. Uh, I was just training to do the dump button, which was a lot. Of, you know, a lot of stuff because uh, you know you have to take context and 
all this thing, how long they had been talking about something and whether that made it more dumpable. Context, really a big thing. So I had been sitting in there every day with Craig Schwab, who was doing it, and he was, you know, practicing. So they set up that, uh, okay, you're done training. You'll take over next week. I go, well, next week you're doing sex for Sam. And they go, listen, I go, he goes, actually, that's like the easiest show because they're so aware of what can and cannot be said that they're extra careful. That'll actually be an easier show for you. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And while everyone got in trouble for that show, I did not. I never lost my job. I, I, I had many meetings with lawyers and things, but there was nothing that went out over the air that was sexually graphic or finable. There so, wasn't. If you went back and listened to the to the broadcast, there wasn't anything. What did you want me to take out? Like I would always say um, to people who couldn't believe I didn't get fired. I said, well, what, what would you like me to take out of that? Listen to it. You get Paul Mercurio calling in and saying, hey, we're – we're in St. Patrick's Cathedral. We're going to go for the two-point conversion. What does that mean yeah. to somebody? doesn't mean anything. Then he was fighting with the security guard. Yeah. He, he amplified it to another degree, another but level. Again, there's no graphic language, and he's no. fighting with... So the the broadcast itself was what got them in trouble. There was no 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 seconds I could have taken out that would have saved that broadcast. There were things that I took out earlier in the broadcast mm-hmm. that were graphic. Like Rich Voss was, was would be saying like, "Oh, he's sticking it in her." No, <laughs> that's out. And I took that stuff out, you know. So I have no problem with what went on that mm-hmm. day, as far as my that was a approved by management uh, uh, contest. Okay. So, so now let's get to your career now. Yeah. That's kind of dark days for me. I was the biggest O and A fan. They're fired now. Any right. W blows up. Blows up. It goes all of a sudden this. It's like pink, 1027, whatever. Blink, blink, blink. blink. What would you do then? You you weren't fired. So, so they fired everybody except me <laughs> and a guy named Chris Oliveira, who later on went on to be, he, he had just left the company when uh, Entercom and CBS merged. Okay. But he was like the head of programming for CBS. He went on to a huge career. <laughs> they fired everyone but me and him and kept us on. And uh, for months we would go to work and do nothing, legitimately nothing. They were just playing music mm-hmm. with no people on the air. And then they started uh, Blink, and uh, I worked with Booker and uh, Lopez, okay. which was the morning show, Yeah, J-Lo's sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with them. Then that got blown up. I still stayed on. They brought in uh, these, these uh, Greg and... Uh, can't even think of the girl's name. Greg and Lynn... They brought in from Boston to okay. do a mixed morning show. You know, it was for moms and that sort of thing. I did that. Then I went to work at the corporate office. Um, so you're just surviving at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm just surviving. Okay. I went to the corporate office. Then I went to K-Rock where Booker was. Okay. So you, you reunited with Booker. Yeah. Well, when when, when Chris Olivero, Chris Olivero, when we were sitting there at, at Blink, when it was not Blink, <laughs> when we were doing no work, he was like, you know what, there's this... There's a job on the website for corporate at the corporate office. I'm going to apply for it. So he gets that job, and he starts moving up pretty pretty quickly. He's a very good hard worker, a lot of great ideas. So he says, hey, we got a job opening. You should come work at corporate. I went to work at corporate. Then that job was getting cut. I went to work <laughs> at K-Rock with Booker. Then Howard Stern puts in his one-year notice, 
and they now have another opening over there to help those guys with what are some ideas of people to replace Howard Stern. So I went over at corporate to work with those guys. Throwing out ideas? Throwing out ideas, and also when they had ideas, when they had shows that they wanted to try, they'd say, like, for example, um, I had Colin Quinn and Nick DiPaolo for a week of uh, nighttime talk shows that we did from New York, but they put on their WJFK in Washington. Okay. So I would work with those guys. Then they'd have another idea for two or three other um, name guys that maybe they'll do a show together. So I'd go work with those guys. You know, then, then I knew they hired David Lee Roth, and I was supposed to help find the producer for that. Well, he didn't like anybody that we were interviewing or they didn't like him. It was not a fit. And at one point, the, you know, the guys at corporate said to me, they go, you know, you should do this job. He likes you. He talks to you. And I knew what it paid, and it paid a lot. Okay. So I said, oh, I'll do it. But uh, when that ends, and it's going to end. You knew. I knew. Okay. I knew that it did not going to last. <clears throat> now, let me ask you, because yeah. I, I want to interrupt you with this. And not knocking him, did you know it because he was following Howard Stern that no one can do that? Or did you know that that eventually his stories and was just going to fade out? Well, I, I think very tough to follow Howard Stern. And I think probably what happened is that uh, he was probably told you're in complete, complete control of what you do. And management was probably told you better control what he does. Okay. And I think they were each kind of told that they were in charge and it was just a mess. So I took that job, but I said like, Hey, listen, when that ends, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not losing my job. You're not with the going company. down with the ship with this dude. I'm not going down with the ship. Yeah. And they agreed. They're like, okay. They knew. Go do this for now and we'll see what happens. And if it goes away, you'll be fine. So when it does eventually go away, that's when they're going to bring Opie and Anthony back, who are doing a show now on Sirius XM, XM at the time, graphic. And they said, boy, they really, we really do need a guy that we can trust to run the dump button again. And there were only two people in the country. With this type of experience, Dead Air Dave with Howard Stern, who is gone now, and me, <laughs> and Tom Chiasana. And Tom's not sitting there for Opie and Anthony doing a dump on No, but they trusted <laughs> me to do it, so then that's how I stayed there. And then I had that job until this one was starting at uh, FAN with Boomer and Carton. So Opie and Anthony at K-Rock. Yeah. How was that for you? I know that was, that was a weird time. It was great. You loved it. It was great for me, yeah, because... They were so, uh, I think they were happy to be on regular radio again mm -hmm. and to be on, in Howard Stern's slot. Sure, of course. And they were they had all the freedom they wanted at XM, so they were okay with knowing that everything couldn't fly on regular radio. So now they, I had a much better experience with them. They were friendlier, of course. They would run bits by me before they put them on the air, which they never would have done at any time. Mm -hmm. They would come to me and say, listen, we want to play this. What do we need to take out or what words can't we use here? And I'd listen to it and give them suggestions. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah it was great. It's like, like, it's like they matured or they appreciate, they knew they didn't have to make headlines anymore. Yeah, they want Or they'd say like, you know what? This isn't going to work here. We'll do this at XM. So, you know, I worked with close with Ben. Mm -hmm. He would bring guys, uh, stuff to me, Sam, uh, Steve. Sure. So all those guys, it was just a much easier work environment. And now when do you leave? Because I, you know what's funny? Being involved in the radio, you don't know when Al Dukes leaves. You right. don't know when the guys in the background leave. Like, oh, Rick, the producer's not there. Anymore. Why? So you don't know. So when did you leave there and come to WFAN? So uh, they were, they were uh, Boomer and Carton were set to start in September of 07. And in the summer, I had known Mark Chernoff from 
working at 92.3 and working at corporate and Chris Olivero, uh, and they were starting the show. I had known Craig from WNEW. I didn't work with Craig, but, Sports I, guys. but I knew Craig. And I know that he had asked about me because when I worked at NEW, he used to see me there very early doing work. And I think he liked that. When I first started Ron and Fez, we were a noon show. We were like noon to three. And Craig was on till nine. Mm-hmm. And I'd already be there when Craig was doing his show. I was already, you know, prepping stuff for Ron and Fez. So I think he liked that. He saw that I was a guy who got in early and was willing to put in work. So Craig had asked about me. I met with uh, Boomer and Craig. It was weird. A couple a couple different things went through my head. One, I honestly thought that Opie and Anthony's best days were behind them because they had, at that time, were going to ask me to be there. They were looking for a separate producer for 92.3. Okay, so two separate shows, basically. Yeah, so okay. they wanted me to, they were going to hire me to do that, mm. uh, to be their producer, not on the dump Which would have been good pay, you know, because you know Which the Which would have been good pay, mm-hmm. but I honestly felt like their time off and their time at XM changed their dynamic. It changed their show. It wasn't a must-listen for me anymore. I also started thinking, like, I was getting older. I was like, do I really want to be doing, you know, like, penis jokes? At some point, FAN is, like, the healthiest radio station in the country. Mm -hmm. They weren't going anywhere. I didn't know if 92.3 was going to stick around, and it didn't. So I kind of weighed my options, and I was like, I'm going to make this move. Did you know that Opie and Anthony had a tumultuous relationship and they weren't friends? No. You didn't? Isn't that wild? Yeah. I, I talk to people, I don't know if you know, like E-Rock and guys. Yeah, yeah I worked with E-Rock all the time. From the there. show and they're like, dude, we were there for years. We didn't know they didn't talk to each other. And yet you hear now, even like Opie says it, not privately, like even on his show, they didn't talk for 20 years. Yeah, I could definitely tell there was a different dynamic than mm-hmm. when I would see them in the halls at NEW versus at K-Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, they were more separated. They were living... Complete. Yeah, Opie's married with yeah, kids. Yeah. Anthony's Anthony's a wild guy. Yeah, of course. Suspended adolescence <laughs> in a good way. I think. In a great yeah, way. Right. It sounds like fun. Okay, so now, now you're. This is what fascinates me about you. You're not a sports guy, right. yet you produce one of the best morning radio sh- sports shows in the country. How do you sell yourself to well, Boomer Carton? Well, they well, they didn't want to do a hardcore sports show, right? So. They weren't looking for somebody. They were looking for somebody who had talk radio experience. Okay. They didn't want to do, you know, at that time, they didn't think you could do sports in the morning. That's why Imus was on a, a bunch of different radio stations, you know. So they didn't know if people wanted to break down sports in the morning. So they wanted to do shows that had uh, sports as a springboard into other type of topics. And that's what Craig was interested in doing. And Boomer as well. So... Um, that's how I got on board there. You know, they weren't counting on me to bring the sports. Now, over all this time, I think I know a lot about sports. Mm -hmm. You know, I do a lot of show prep for it. So I am aware and can have a sports argument and all that stuff over these years that I, I probably couldn't have done in the beginning. How much easy is it to produce a sports show knowing that every night there's something? So now you're producing Ron and Fez or maybe Opie and Anthony. You're producing D, and you're like, oh, my God, nothing really happened last night. And yet, every day in sports, does it make it your job a little easier knowing that every night something's going on? The only thing, the thing that's easier about it is you are sort of pigeonholed into you have to cover sports. Okay. 
so there are plenty of times, and we're in that time of year now, where there's not a lot going on. I mean, listen, Odell Beckham being traded, that's a huge thing. And then March Madness, and then that's it. Yeah. Then and after the two weeks of opening day baseball, right. it's that long, yeah, I love it, lulls. but it's a long lull yeah. of Girardi should have bunted down 3-1 in the eighth inning. It's It gets tedious sometimes. It gets tedious. So the good news is you you sometimes you're being limited in your topics forces you to really just look at these things. With something like Ron and Fez, you you had you could look at things in the news that might spark a more generic idea about, you know, things you did as a kid or things you did in high school or T V shows. So it was more wide ranging. And, so that, and also, you can spend. You can take the thing of going to a wedding, spending money, right? And all of a sudden, that can roll into an hour. That could be an hour. Here, it would be like a ten minute bit thing. Yeah. What is it? So wait, I'm going back to your podcast now because I'm going to try to segue in this. You and your partner broke up, or you're not doing it with them anymore. We're just not doing it together. We did not. We we did not have a falling out. Okay, because it seems like a trend with you, Opie and Anthony, right? Boomer and Carton, Ron and Fez. Yes. Two of those were national headlines when they broke up. Right. Are you nervous with Boomer and Geo, or it's pretty safe? No, because I I had the the thing happen with Craig. Yeah, and uh, it survived. You know, so as long as the whole thing doesn't get blown up at one time and. And we're not doing shows that have that combustibility, like NEW was. Unless uh, Mike Francesa destroys Geo, because it's going to happen one day. That's fine. I would <laughs> enjoy good infighting. But <laughs> you, you know what? There's no, there's no nerd. Like that was the other thing with working at WNEW. Is there? It got to a point where it's like any day could be your last show because of the topics that would be discussed and how they would be discussed and how the limits would get pushed. You're not really going to get that. No. At a sports talk station. Back to NEW, we said it was the wild, wild west. What'd they do right? Because I thought they had a good plan. Yeah. And I was younger now. Not that I'm in the radio business now, but working with Westwood One and Opie, I see different formats. What'd they have right and what they do completely wrong? Because that, it was going well. Opie and Anthony were the, you know, the structure of that foundation. But what'd they do wrong in that situation? I felt like, you know, when Howard Stern got syndicated to all these uh, cities, huge cities, small cities. Most most stations or most markets would have morning shows that could be FM talk shows. And when Howard Stern started dominating in all these markets, you lost like the next, the minor leagues for the next good talk show host, right? So when Howard left, it was like, wow, we've developed no talk talent because... We all relied on Howard Stern. And even when Opie and Anthony started taking the afternoon, so it was like any of these FM talk stations had Howard Stern on in the morning, Opie and Anthony on in the afternoon. And they would do like a local show in middays. Then every station had Don and Mike on. Every station had Tom Likas on. Every station had Loveline on in the middle of the Mm -hmm. night. So all of a sudden, there's no minor leagues for developing that next great talent. And you also found that while Howard could do it, Opie and Anthony could do it, Ron and Fez could do it, there weren't a lot of great shows that could do that consistently every day for years. Do you think it was too much? Because I don't, K-Rock's ratings used to be great with Stern in the morning, nice music, and I think uh, YSP in Philly had Stern and Opie and Anthony and then music in the middle. Do you think that should have been the format? It only worked because, as we found out later, once Howard left, it only worked because Howard had such big ratings in the morning. People just left it on. It wouldn't drop off a cliff at 10, but starting at 10, 10.30, 11, when he would go off, it would slowly go down. 
And by the time it went down, the day was over. You know, the 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 ratings day mm-hmm. was over. And all these stations found that out when he left. Even was, shows that were talk shows. There were, Howard was on a couple all talk stations, like in L.A. Mm-hmm. KLSX was all talk. You know, all those shows that were riding around on high on ratings that came on at ten o'clock, they all went in the toilet. Yeah, to show you that really, you were only popular because Howard Stern was on before you. Working mornings, does it bother you? Don't listen to him anymore, or do you catch him on? I catch him on the replays. You're still a huge fan. Not, a, I'm still a fan. You it, ever get it, to meet him? Uh, no. Passed him in the hallway twice at K-Rock. That was it. And never said anything to him, No, right? he was walking with his head down, looked shy. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I'm always a nerdy person with meeting people. I don't want to meet, like, A-listers. Meeting, like, radio people always, right. always get to me. Who are some of the people you're dying to meet? I know you got to meet cool people doing the show and with ONA and stuff. Yeah. Anyone uh, like you? No, man. Howard Stern, I would love to meet. Bruce Springsteen, I would love to meet. Of course. Those okay. are, like, really the only two. Paul Westerberg from The Replacements. Those are the only people I'm interested in that, in that I haven't met. Being a radio and now podcaster, who do you listen to podcast-wise? Yeah, I wish, you know, I'm in this thing too with podcasts where there's so many of them that... You get overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed and I'm only... It's weird because I, I hate guests, but for podcasts, I tend to only listen to the ones with guests yes. that I'm interested in. So. I will look at Mark Marin if mm-hmm. he if he has somebody I'm interested in. Me too. Joe Rogan if he has someone I'm interested the in. The only thing with Rogan, and I, I like Rogan, a lot of times with Rogan what I like is if I'm at work, I'll put it on YouTube because sometimes it's a little, the three hours, that's intimidating for me. Yeah. And I don't want to invest three hours into it. Marin, the right. hour and 20 yes. minutes. And I like Marin. I do exactly what you do. Guest, oh, good guest. Right. Download that. And then I leave it to my, I'm like, oh my God, like I fly a lot. I travel a lot. Yeah. And I'm looking, I'm like, I have, a thousand podcasts downloaded, but topic wise, and it's funny because the same thing with guests. I don't want guests. When right. I listen to Boomer and Geo, I want Boomer and Geo. Yes. I want Francesca, just Mike talking. Right. When they have the guests, I'm like, all right, I'll tune in. Yet podcasts only guests. Right. I don't want to hear. But ex- you get to choose though, which is perfect. Like if you're a Boomer and Geo fan and they're part of your morning you, and you listen from 7 to 720. You don't get to choose if that's when they're having a guest. Mm-hmm. That's what sucks. That's why I don't want to put guests on the radio. You know, you can then choose if you want to listen to Mark Marin with somebody, you know, or Joe Rogan. Like, I listened to the David Lee Roth, Joe Rogan. Okay. Three okay. hours. But legitimately, that took me a week to listen to. <laughs> Same thing. I listened to Rogan with the, when yeah. Kumi was on it. It was like yeah, right. three hours and yes. 40 minutes. Right. Like, <laughs> it took oh. me a week. Because, you know, a lot of times, Al, what I'll do with a podcast, I'll listen to it. 27 minutes on my commute to work. Right. And then coming home, I want to hear something else. Right. And I completely forget about it. But Anthony, it took me a week, yes. but I finally got through with it. Same here. Producing the Broom and Geo uh, thing, were you nervous with the ratings when Craigie left? Um, I think very initially, yes. But that's the thing with this this radio station, I think in particular, FAN. It's, it's such a strong, you know, this is where... If you want New York sports, this is where you're coming. You know, satellite doesn't have that. You know, um, most podcasts don't have that. They do. No one knows they exist. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, and we were. It happened. If it could have happened at a good time, it happened at a good time. It happened in September when NFL football was starting. Jets and Giants, Yankees were making a playoff run. So if you are a sports person i think you were still tuning in in the morning and we didn't add somebody right away like somebody got taken away mm-hmm. 
but we didn't put somebody in his spot. You know, Jerry became a more prominent role. So it was somebody familiar with the audience. And then when we brought Greg in after that, it was, it had some time to, there was, there was some separation at least of what the show was and what the show would become. You had a rebound before the real boyfriend came right. in. You, you said it perfectly. WFAN is appointment listening. Yeah. And I don't know. Now I don't live in other, obviously another city, but that's appointment listening. When something big happens, you're putting the radio on at six, you put it on at three, not that you're guaranteed ratings. You guys still have to perform. Right. But it's appointment listening to WFAN. It's the institution of sports radio. Right. Uh, speaking of Craigie, he's always been so kind to me. Um, came on after everything happened with him. You know, we, we were DMing and texting afterwards. He's like, I promise you I'm going to do your show. Everything happened. He randomly hit me up. He's like, hey, I can do your show tomorrow. Really? Like still talk to him here and there. Do you still have a relationship with him? I do. I talk to him a number of times a week. Is he doing okay? Uh, yeah, all things considering. I think he's a guy who wouldn't show if he mm-hmm. was uh, more bummed out. I mean, he's clearly bummed out. Of it's course. A, a horrible thing that he is involved in. So, um, but he puts on a positive oh, I know. face, you know. He, I, I always, not that I've never respected you. I've always, you've always in my life. That's weird, but you always sure. have been. When everything happened with Craig, I defended him, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm not saying he's innocent. I'm just saying, to me, he's a kind person, right. and hopefully whatever happened, you defended him big time, and you got a lot of crap for that, too. I defended him. I'm trying to think how I defended him. I didn't defend... You didn't defend his actions. I didn't defend what he was accused, accused of, doing. of and found guilty of. I defended how he... When I, I don't know even though if defended is the word. I understand how he got there. You know, if if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't consider gambling addiction an addiction, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, be able to talk to that person about it. But if you understand gambling as an addiction, alcoholism as as an addiction, and somebody getting in a bad spot because of it, mm-hmm. what I defended was th- things that people thought Craig was accused of that he was not accused of. Craig did not sell fake tickets. He didn't. Mm -hmm. He didn't. People come at me as if you went to buy Billy Joel tickets, you got tickets in your hand, and when you got to the arena, they were not real. And your son was upset that he couldn't go. That never happened. That didn't happen. You know, I think it was kind of like bad guys ripping off bad guys. And not to defend it, but I, I didn't see innocent people getting ripped off. I saw kind of scuzzy guys ripping off other guys doing scuzzy things. You and I are going to, like, we're doing the same swerve. It's the same thing, and we're not justifying anything. Like, a lot of times with mob hits, some people are like, that's horrible. I'm not saying you should ever murder somebody. But it's, you know, people who have uh, questionable pasts who still might be doing illegal stuff, taking each other out. It's not good. It's not good. We don't condone it, but me and little Johnny aren't getting affected right. by, by going to Billy Joel. I'm like, wrong tickets, guy. You spent two. Yeah. Right. So that was the stuff <laughs> I would try to defend. And then the other thing is everyone's always like, oh, you must have, you had to know what was going oh, on. Of course we knew he played blackjack. He talked about it on the show, but, and Craig has talked about this, I don't know, in public or to me about like, if somebody, if, Somebody, if Craig was working here and he was an alcoholic or he was a drug user, we would have seen that on him, his actions. You can hide being a gambler. Easy. Easy. You ne- you can never know. If, you, if you're nodding off, oh, this guy might be doing drugs. Right. You smell it. 
What are you going to do? He's checking the sports. He works for a sports right. radio station. Said, Obviously, he's going to check the lines. You know, not a single person that works here with him every day, not a single person that works here was called for, by the prosecution or the defense. Not a single one of us. So what did we know other than what people who listen to the radio knew? I just think I, Al Dukes uh, skirts under everything. No matter what, yes. what conspiracy happens, they don't call Al <laughs> really? Dukes for anything. That's because I do the right thing. Yeah, you do. Uh, I love, uh, I was just outside in the control room. Yeah. What's your beef with the callers? I'm having I, hate, I do not moments. like them. <laughs> I Tell, don't care for the callers. Tell me why. Because they're, they, ah, uh, hmm. I don't care for bad callers. And unfortunately, the overwhelming majority of them are terrible. <laughs> they either want to parrot what the host already said. They want to bring up something that we've been talking about already for hours, like just generic things. Give me something unique, different that we haven't said. And I'm, you get right through. But these guys that call just to call because they're bored, they've called the station 15,000 times. I got no use for that. I'm, gonna t- I'm laughing right now to myself. Danny, I don't know if you're here. If you, uh, if you sort on YouTube, there's a clip of Al flipping out on a caller and he slams the phone down. And Eddie's like, what happened, Al? He goes, that guy just asked me if there's a rain delay in London <laughs> yeah. for the Yankees. <laughs> right, right. There, we're talking about the Yankees playing uh, the, Red the, the Red Sox in London, which was a year away at the time. And a guy called me, legitimately want to know if there was a rain delay. What happens with the tickets? I was like, what are you talking about? Get away from me. I feel you live a little bit of a mysterious life. You do this show. Give yeah. me a normal day waking up. The end of the day for Al Dukes, a normal day, a normal work day, normal work day, normal Tuesday right. for Al Dukes. Okay, it's very boring, but I, I do this. this. Is my the Howard Stern philosophy of growing up with Howard Stern? You know, he led a very so seemingly, from what he would tell us, a boring life during the week because in order to keep these hours, you got you have mm-hmm. to. So I get up at two thirty. I'll shower. I'll make a coffee. I drive into work. When I get to work, I'll go through uh, the news, different news sites and uh, social media, see what people are talking about. Then we do the show. Then I leave here at like 11, 11.30. I go home. I eat some lunch. I'll look at Twitter again. I might go to the gym. I might play the piano for a little bit. I might take a nap. 4.30, I start making my chicken, sweet potatoes, and broccoli. Then at 6 o'clock, I go through the news again. I send TV a heads up of, hey, these so far, this looks like some things we might be talking about. So I could get video and graphics ready. I'll send it to Greg in case he wants to take a look at what we got so far. Then by 7 o'clock, uh, 6.30, I'll put on some sort of somebody's being murdered on the ID channel. <laughs> I go to bed. I get up. I do it again. Like the same thing every day. You loving it, though? Yes, I love a good routine. Routine. I love a routine. Nothing's better than a nice routine. You feel so Yeah. You it's like militaristic. You know exactly what's going on. Right, but then but I also am unwavering in my routine, you know, so if it gets thrown off, I get really thrown off about it. If I get so my schedule is weird for work. It's my schedule always changes. The thing that's the worst for me, if I have like a like I'm going to work after this. Yeah. So like now two days in advance or two days before this, I have to like have my calendar out. Like I'm doing this show. It kind of messes me up right. now for a little bit. Favorite Parry song you ever did? I guess beat Tom Brady. It was the only one that was a hit for people. 
You did that live, didn't you? Didn't you do it live? I've done it so many different times because we did it through the Rex Ryan era. Then when the Giants were beating them, we did it. But the best was like during the when the Jets played them in the championship game. Like that week we had Joe Klecko in. He sang it with me. That was fun. You love doing the parody songs. Sometimes. Go, we're going to circle all the way back around and finish up now. Never wanted to be an on-air guy? Not not any more than I'm already doing. Like, I like that. Like, I, I don't feel the pressure of coming in here when there's no topics. I don't know how these... I legitimately don't know no, how I these don't. guys get through these four-hour shows. I don't. Because there are days, like, I do a, a show with Jerry at mm-hmm. 5.43 in the morning till 6. It was 17 minutes. 17 like, minutes <laughs> with, like, a four-minute break. So, like, 12 minutes. 12, 13 minutes. There's sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I have 13 minutes. <laughs> Legitimately. Like, I don't know if I have 13 minutes. 13 minutes of material you might <laughs> right. not have. I'm like, stretch. I got to stretch this out. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do not know how these guys do. That is a skill. I always said there's a skill to being able to talk for four hours. That's a skill in and of itself. Then to be able to be somebody who people can't get enough of it. Two completely different things. There's plenty of hosts that can do it. Of course. And I can't do that. I can't get to that level. But then to get to the level where you have, like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to hear what Boomer says in the morning about this mm-hmm. jet quarterback debacle. You know, that's a whole nother level that is not easy to get to. Gossip-wise, I have to. I, I'm I gonna f- gossip. Do you? Yeah. Oh, we should have did more gossip. Ron and Fez off air. Opie and Anthony off air. Boomer, Carton, and Geo off air. I just want to know what kind of personalities they are off the air. Very sure. similar to... How they are on the air? Yeah, so so this was the difference for me. So for me, and again, I may have been a naive younger guy mm-hmm. when I worked at Ron and Fez, but they were tough off the air. Ron more so than Fez. So that was uncomfortable for me at that time. At that time. Opie and Anthony, I didn't really have to deal with off the air because they, they didn't really want them interacting with the dump button guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Boomer and Carton... It was so relieving to work with guys off the air were very easygoing and easy to work with. That was a true pleasure. Uh, Booker was super easy to work with on the air and off the air. That Ron and Fez were tough, man, because they were they were a tag team. you know. And then later, it was bizarro to me to listen to the XM show those years prior to Fez leaving mm-hmm. and to hear Fez be the guy that got beat up on and that got picked on. It was weird because Could, they were a team. And Ronnie B always had his back. Yeah. They were a team and would do it to producers. It was weird to hear Ron and a producer, Dave do it to Fez. That was strange to listen to. And that kind of led to the decline of that show, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Fez a good dude off the air. Yeah, Fez was always nice off the air, and Fez would try to help me in mm-hmm. my interactions with Ron. Every every uh, night <laughs> when we would uh, when the show was on at seven o'clock at night at four thirty, we would do a a call. I would call or do a three way call. Okay, I would call Fez, then I would call Ron, and we'd be three way call. And I might throw out a couple ideas, which by the way sounded great until I got them on the phone. And I was like, "Fuck, this is not good." <laughs> so a lot of that was so uncomfortable. I would say stuff, legitimately get no re- no response. Oh. Then a click. And then Fez would call me be like, listen, you got to s- give your topics confidently. You know, Fez would try to help me dealing with Ron. He would try. 
but he would never let Ron see that, you know, that he, you know, but he would try to help me, but it was just so when that four thirty come, I'm like, Oh man, I got to call these two. Oh, that's funny. So I'll, 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 they were brutal on the phone. So when, when Opie hires me to start working with him, he's like, Hey, we're going to have on this guy, you know, just help me with a little bit of a one sheet. And I'm like, of course. And first of all, my first one sheet was like four pages. Yeah. And he's like, bro, come on. This is a little, and he was being overly nice. Like, hey, it's a little long for a one right. sheet. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll narrow it's it a down. a four sheet. Yeah. <laughs> but then Al, I'd hand the sheet and I'm looking at him like, oh my God, the, this third, is the third bullet's horrendous. Right. Who cares that so-and-so d- does karate? I'm like, right. oh. And then the worst is when I'll randomly text him, hey, Ope, what do you think of, you know, Ann Coulter coming on? And then no response. Right. And then I feel like I'm a chick. I go on Twitter. I'm like, right. this son of a bitch <laughs> is tweeting. And I'm like, let, let me come back with a big one. Right. Hey, oh, how about? And I'll, I'll throw like a, a huge yeah. A list. I'm like, let's see if we can get them. It, it's yeah. intimidating. Very no? intimidating. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, one of the, I always was curious. Maybe you can ask Opie this. This mm-hmm. is what I always wanted to ask Opie. And and Ron and Fez were, were the best at this, I think, at uh, manipulating things on air to be real. And so I never knew if Opie knew that my bits on Ron and Fez specifically about him were a setup. I don't know if he knows. The pinball machine, the me pretending to really like Opie, me all that stuff was fed to me. And I don't know whether he really thought I was a nut. I'm going to text him, by the way, when we finish yeah. up here, because we're going to link up. I know you want him to do your podcast. It's funny. I actually didn't want to bring that up. I'm like, you know what? Because maybe yeah. it's a touchy subject. I remember, and I hate that we keep talking about NEW, but it was such an awesome yeah. time of radio. You would basically, he was like, dude, I think that this guy Al's in love with me. Right. And I'll never forget the show the next day. It was the infamous pinball show. Right. Opie was at. Which I didn't buy, by the way. I know. I, you, they actually, that actually came out that you, okay. the guy sent it to you for like 10 ads. <laughs> but the, the best part was Opie was at an Islanders game. Yes. I remember this. His girlfriend called the show, and you're like, Sandy, listen, just listen to me. What's it be like off the air? <laughs> oh, and he came on. And right. He's like, I don't like you. He's, he's like, why is this guy asking about my life off the air? So that was more of a bit. All fake. All, all fake. So there was no real beef or. No. I. In fact, no, I liked Opie. And, <laughs> and especially like, I was telling you, Opie was going to come to the fan today, but he's right. doing his show. You're like, oh, I, I want him on my show. I'm like, wait a minute, you guys are friends? Because I thought you, you hated it. I thought you were in love with him, and then he hated you. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I'd never thought. I, I thought, and maybe, listen, at that time, he was just sort of a crazy person. Yeah. So maybe he did really hate me. And again, like I said, Ron and Fez were so good at it. Like that, I remember that call with the, I don't remember why his girlfriend Sandy called in. Oh, because I was talking about. Opie and all this stuff, and Ron would be feeding me lines. <laughs> and the fact that Opie, and I remember one of the funniest things, because uh, I have it on a tape somewhere. Opie's like, he goes, I had to tell you guys, you guys are geniuses. He goes, I hate this guy, but I can't stop listening to it. Oh, really? That's what he <laughs> yeah. said? That's the ultimate radio compliment. Yeah, right. So I always wondered that. I was like, does he really think I was like a weirdo, or did he know we were doing these fake bits? But like I said, Ron and Fez would let nobody in on these bits because they didn't want anyone to break. Character. Right. They were like old school wrestling guys. Uh, Yeah, totally. Remember the old school wrestling? They said like Owen Hart and Bret Hart, when they would wrestle, they'd have to go like different entrances at the airport because they couldn't be cool with each other. That's what Ron and Fez were. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. How do you get Jerry Seinfeld to follow you on Twitter? That is insane. That was crazy. That's insanity. He only follows like 70 people. Yeah, so... Uh, he's a fan of the radio show. He listens to sports talk. And Jerry he, from Queens. Yeah, and he he liked Craig and Boomer, and then I guess so. Well, he would heard heard me on there, and I don't know. I really don't know how that happened, but it was uh, 
crazy because I saw it the one day, you know, you get an alert and uh, I was like, what? You know, I was so shocked. And um, he, we used to very early on, he would respond to some of my tweets and he would like tag them with his own jokes. Mm -hmm. Like he'd add to it or something, you know? So it was really cool. And then one time randomly, uh, I was getting all these follows on like a Saturday from all over the country, which I didn't understand what was going on. I was, you know, I tried Googling my name. I couldn't find anything. I didn't know what happened. And uh, he had uh, done an interview in USA Today, the weekend edition. Mm -hmm. And the guy interviewing him asked, uh, who, is there anyone on Twitter you follow? That anybody good on Twitter that you could recommend? And he gave my thing. Did he really? Yeah. Who was And wild. of course, everyone's going to follow if Jerry Seinfeld says, right. what? Hey, I'm going to tell you. crazy. You, you want to know what's wild, too? When, like, because of doing the Opie show and doing my podcast, I get a lot of big people following me. Like, Dick Vitale follows me, um, Omar from The Wire, Pete Rose. When they follow me, I'm under pressure. I'm like, oh, man. Right. I don't want to tweet them going on vacation. 100%. Do you feel the same way? I, I, I did for the longest time. Okay. For the longest time, I was like, is this really up to Jerry Seinfeld standards? Yeah, that's what I say. Because <laughs> I, I try to read a book a week. And at the yeah. end of the week, I'm like, hey, I just finished reading so-and-so. Hashtag 52 books, 52 weeks. When Omar from The Wire did my show, he's like, Yo, I'll follow you. And I'm like, oh, my God. Does Omar right. really want to know? I just read no. a book about, like, Waco, Texas. I don't Right. Um, and then I do it, and the next morning I go to followers. Okay, still following me. Right. I, didn't, I didn't F up Oh, there yet. were times I wouldn't even look. I'd be oh. like, I'm not looking. <laughs> did you ever DM him? Not look. Uh, I did early on to thank him for the thing. He never responded to it, so I didn't even know if he knew how to use DMs. Like who knows? <laughs> but he seems to have lost interest in Twitter a couple of years ago. Yeah, he'll randomly tweet like one yeah, time. But he doesn't like interact. Like, no, never, 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 interact. never. So now I don't feel pressure at all. I don't feel pressure at all. Who's your, besides Jerry, coolest Twitter follower. I don't know. I'm disappointed a lot by Twitter. Like the people you think should be hilarious on Twitter, aren't. Horrible. Because they save all their material for things they get paid for, They're which smart. makes sense. Yeah. You know, and then there's other people that you don't even know who they are that are funny. I don't, I don't even have an answer for you. I have followed now so many just for sports-related mm -hmm. things. I like the part in my take, guys, from yeah, they're Barstool. Good. They're good. They're funny. You should get them on your podcast. That'd be good. I should. I always finish the podcast with this question. All right. You and I are at a bar. We're hanging out, having a good time. Who's the coolest person in your phone? That if you oh. texted them, they would text you right back. Interesting. That would text me back. Yes. Because mm. I have people on my phone that I text and they don't write back ever. Right. <laughs> I would get a text back from Kevin Connolly, the actor, for sure. 100%. That's an awesome end. Because I want to hear another one. Yeah. For the, I just went away and I watched Entourage for the first time in my life. The whole thing. One of the best shows ever. And E is one of the greatest characters right. ever. Okay. Trying to think who else I would uh, I'd be confident that I could get one. The confidence that's big because I I've, when I started doing that I was like, oh, yeah. you text your guy and then you just wait for the phone to buzz. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I just effed it up. Dick Vitale is not writing back to me. Yeah. I ruined it. <laughs> yeah, no, he would write me back for sure. But I don't, I don't know if I have another one that I'm confident I would get a. I'm trying to think of athletes that we've had on the show a bunch, you know. And but the, the thing is, you have the number and then Phil you Phil Sims. Yeah, <laughs> and but then Al, you never text him. So Randy, like, hey. What do you want? You out? know when I love to text them, I I hate like if they'll say, uh, "Hey, call so and so." I never want to call somebody out of the blue to on the put blind, them on the air. Never, because I can't. I have I have to throw Boomer's name out as soon as I can. <laughs> so I think if I can text it and they see Boomer's name, because you're not going to pick up a number you don't know. Never. But if you get a random text, you're reading it. So I will do. I'll do it that way. And then if they respond, then I'll say, like, "May I call you from a two one two number?" You know. But that's what Ope does. Ope's like, hey, Mike, do me a favor. Here's Jim Brewer's number. Call him. Call him. I'm like, no. 
I'm like, I'm not calling Jim Brewer. So I text him, and you have to have him the first line. Right. I don't want him <laughs> to scroll. I'm like, hey, it's Mike slash Opie's producer. Right. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. longest thing right, ever. Right, right, right. That's what I do. Same trick. Hey, this was a blast for me. I enjoyed it as well. I hope you had fun. I, I hope I didn't talk too much about old radio stuff. No, no, I love the old radio stuff. Do you? Yeah. Give the plug for your Twitter. Obviously, Seinfeld's following's going to be way bigger than the Mike Sappho's following. Right. And your podcast. Um, at Al's Boring Tweets. And my podcast, I do a podcast every uh, day with Jerry, Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. And I just started doing my Al's Boring podcast again, somewhat. Maybe I'll get Opie and Anthony, and I won't tell them which day, and they'll each come in the same day. and <laughs> Team them up. Let's go. I did enjoy the Anthony book. Oh, did you? Yeah. You, you were in the book. I was in the book. The most downloaded podcast ever, if Opie and Anthony sat in the same studio together. Is and it, hashed it out or just talked, did a show? I, I think just talked because it's weird because they'll, it seems like they'll hash it out a little bit and then bombs get thrown on like right. Jim Norton's podcast. So it's right, always, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy though, isn't it? What happens? Yes. Al, an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you.